0: The song that we are doing today for Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures has actually been kind of semi-frequently requested by our listeners. One of our issues is, I don't know if either of us really like this song or want to admit we like this song.
1: I will never admit that I like this song. I think this is a terrible, terrible song.
0: Well, we know where this is going. (laughs) So, we have brought on our good friend, Mike V, to discuss why we should be considering this song as a guilt-free
2: pleasure.
1: And Mike is one of the people that has actually requested doing this song, correct?
2: No, I didn't request doing this song.
1: Okay, it stop was, lying.
2: It was broached, and I affirmed the suggestion. I, didn't, I did not bring it up.
0: I must admit that I thought it would be funny to bring in this song because I knew how angry it made Frank. And I thought maybe it would give one of those spicy episodes that we've had in the past. Yeah. And I think that gave Mike um, a bit of fuel. Yeah. Maybe to come to it. Is that fair?
2: Yeah. I like to see Frank uh, agitated and uncomfortable. It's It's his best state. And by the way, guys, thanks for Welcoming me here, uh, not here on this planet, but like here to the Winchester. Welcome to our universe. Yeah. The the guest who is not Dave Kitchen.
1: (laughs) Wait, you're not Dave?
0: (laughs) Dave should be here in a few minutes to replace you. Yeah, exactly. Right? (laughs) Okay, Mike, could you give us the story of why
2: semi-charm life means so much to you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> why this is your heart song
2: no no i think what bill's asking me to explain is why i think this is a guilt-free pleasure which is yeah when the song came out i was in college i thought it was dumb it was beneath me uh it was a catchy pop song and of course that's not what i was about but as time went on i came around and it is a really good song and so when bill brought it up i relate a story about um my 40th birthday party. <clears throat> Sorry, this is going to get a little emotional. But I got one of those um one of those uh, Amazon assistants, right? For my 40th birthday, I had a 40th birthday party going on, so I got it out of the box, I set it up. One of the very first things I do with it is I plug it in and with my house full of people, Frank Pearson included, I say to the device, "Alexa, play semi-charmed life right and it starts playing it and everybody basically immediately starts going boo with a thumbs down like what are you doing
1: i thought someone actually scratched a record like and <laughs> exactly. everything went silent
2: yeah. so i had the emotions of a guilt-free pleasure like the the whole arc of like this the sense of shame uh but then like but then like coming around be like wait a second no this is a good song i'm gonna stand by it and In keeping with a lot of guilt-free Pleasure uh, sort of uh, criteria, it charted really... Like, everybody loved this song. That's why it was played on repeat, on end in 1997, because it was a good song. People don't play bad songs on repeat like that. It was a good song. Now, was it overplayed? Absolutely. Did everybody get sick of it? Yes, they did. But is it an awesome song? (laughs) It's absolutely an awesome song.
1: Okay, so so by your criteria, every song that charts well and plays well is a good song.
2: No, but no, no, didn't no, say you just that. said
1: that. You just said it charted well. They people don't play bad songs on repeat constantly.
0: Spicy. So I mean Okay, it's, it's on the table. Frank, could you tell us about the first time you remember hearing this song and your response the first time you heard this song?
1: I can't remember the first time I heard it, but I, I'll, I'll relay a, a story because um, it was summer of uh, 1997 yep. and there's this girl that I was interested in. And she talked about how much she really liked this song. And at that point, I had already known that I hated the song and the misogyny of the lyrics and and all that other sort of stuff. And I felt just like I was interested in her. But I think I went even further because just like, no, I have to save this girl from this terrible, terrible song. So I'm going to try and date her. And I think we... Can probably figure out how that. Went. So the song, the song won, and you lost. Yeah, I, which is why I hate the song even more.
0: <laughs> A lot is riding on this episode to give balance to the Frank Pearson oh, universe. Oh, I
1: know. Oh,
2: I have to say though, it's you know, listening to people talk about this song, there's so many people that do not like that this song is good. You know. And when you hear them talk about it, there's this real reluctance of, of like, I don't want this song to be good, but it's so good. And it's kind of like your story, Frank, where you wish it weren't so, but the song won out because it's it's a good song. I mean, it could be sung in a different language and you'd still want to dance around to it. And that would sort of, I guess, take away some of the naughtiness of the lyrics.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still standing firm. With my stance that it is not a good song. It is in fact, a terrible, terrible song.
0: Okay. Now, I'll tell you my story about how I heard it. I'm pretty sure I would have seen the music video first, because it would have been like a much music yeah. buzz cut back then. They called it a buzz cut, and like a buzz saw would go across the oh, screen. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they played this. And I remember hearing it like, oh, you know, especially when I heard a song for the first time, I rarely had a a positive... Reaction, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I haven't heard anything like this before." And then I heard it a couple more times, and I liked it. There's things I liked about it, but I knew there was things in there I didn't like. I couldn't figure out what it was, but overall, I thought it was good. But then they played it on the radio all the time. I worked in a shoe store, and I heard this in the shoe store all the time. And not only that, I worked with a guy, not Brother Mark, who's amazing. Yeah, but I worked with another person. Who just sat around and memorized the lyrics to white boy rap? And so <laughs> I had to sit through a summer of him practicing Naked Ladies one week rap. Oh. And then he was doing this song and he's oh. trying to like get all the lyrics down. And it just like that's, I don't want to say it broke me because I'm never broken. To quote Jewel, my hands are small, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That song is awful. I just want to hate that song. <laughs> we're doing but, that we're, song we're, no, next. I know, I know. <laughs> just to put that out there. So, okay, where's it going with this?
2: Okay, it's the shoe store.
0: It's the shoe store. Yeah. So, that will always kind of stick with me. And I was also away at university, and I just didn't get along with my floor at my university. They were partiers, and I was... Reading poetry and doing math in the library,
2: and they just listen to this song all the time.
1: But and and that's exactly what this song is. It's frat boy rock.
2: No, no, no. No, it's no.
1: frat boy rock. No, it's
2: not. It's too. It's too. It's
1: too dark to be it frat doesn't boy matter. rock. Go to any frat boy party in the nineties, and this song is being played.
0: <clears throat> Question for you then: Is this a song disguised as frat boy rock, but really placing like a bomb
1: in the? frat boy punch. Well, the punch. frat boys, they don't care what the song says. They just hear, doot, 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 and da, da, da. That just
2: doesn't da, da. sound like frat boys to me. Doot, doot, doot.
1: No, but the, the, the poppy, bouncy. Yes, it like, is poppy, bouncy. White, white, white boy rap. Sorry, I shouldn't say white boy rap. Yeah. But yeah, the, like that's, that, that is prototypical frat boy songs from the 90s
0: i've never been to a frat boy party because i've never been invited thought. so i have these notions of frat boy parties yeah. i get from like movies
1: yeah that's, but, that's my thing. so idea.
0: i don't know if they were playing third eye blind they might have just been playing rage against the machine yeah and not I, getting that either yeah
2: no no i think it's rage against the machine and like th- i think this third eye blind stuff was appealing to more mainstream despite the crazy uh lyrical content
1: so you're saying frat boys are too subversive. Are not mainstream enough. No, to to for this song to play at their parties.
2: No, it's the same. Like I was borderline. Like I wasn't a frat boy, but I was borderline jock in college. And this song was way beneath me. Rage Against the Machine wasn't because it was quote unquote subversive because I was a because I was a suburban white guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see, what that's I'm right. Oh
0: well, yeah. You yeah. owned their calendar, didn't you? Yeah. No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, you know it's the reasons why I didn't like this when it came out, even though I did like it, was before the sociological reasons, right that this is not this is beneath me. it's not cool. It's poppy, it's pop rock. But you know the, Frank's insisting this isn't a good song. Exhibit A. Exhibit B? I'm sorry. Anybody who doesn't feel like dancing, when that comes on, and by the way, Frank was dancing when we were listening to it just moments ago. Now he was was he sarcastic, ironic dancing. The thing is, is that's 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 quite the uh, quite the cover. You know, it was ironic uh, laughing at
0: your joke. To be fair, rule number one here. There's no irony, Frank.
1: And so we're going to have to
0: work through this. Damn maybe it. off mic, but we've got a problem. So, okay. All right. We have the boundaries. I have a feeling like Frank's one of those voters who's like, I will vote for this person. I don't care if the person passed away. I'm voting for this party. I will vote for him. So
2: so we need to move past that.
0: Well, we're going to come back to like maybe a decision about whether this is a guilt-free pleasure. But I have a feeling that I'm the one with... um. A frat boy on one shoulder, and I don't know what else would be on my other a shoulder. A
1: reasonable person on the other.
0: Jewel strumming on the other shoulder. Oh. Um, but let's talk through the history of the band a bit and the song, especially. I don't think you could talk about the band without the song. No. So it's like no, one no. and the same.
1: Well, this this song is what made the band. Yeah.
0: And then we'll do what we do best, figure out what this all means.
1: Yeah. It means we're doing a terrible episode. <laughs> Stephen Jenkins... The li- Je- Douglas Jenkins. Stephen Douglas Jenkins. This is going to be tough. It sounds like a frat no, boy I name I
0: didn't even
2: know that. I didn't even know it was Stephen Douglas Jenkins. The fact that Frank knows that says he's harboring a secret affection for this song. It's written on this the band. lyric
1: page that Bill <laughs> printed out for me. <laughs> I
0: remember giving you the lyric page and you're like, what, what's this for? And like, it's the lyrics. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, Okay, <laughs> fine. I'll take them. Like yeah. It is
1: half
2: a page of do, do, do. Have you looked at it? Yeah, yeah it's, a a l- it's, a l- it's two pages pages
0: and i didn't even do my patented change to 14 font and i like georgia 14 font by the way but i couldn't even do it it had to stick at a 12 this is a very long song yeah and so stephen douglas jenkins has a lot to talk about so brief history stephen jenkins comes out of the san francisco bay area with dreams big dreams wants to be Wants to write the worst song in history. Well, let's start with he was in a hip hop duo to begin. Yeah, Pluck Puck. or Puck. Sorry, Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream, possibly Puck and Natty, which was a play on words from another from a jazz duo, jazz in the duo. Bay Area. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Already started with little ironic uh, knocks at other people. And it was a hip hop duo that had limited success, but did end up on the Beverly Hills Nine two one O soundtrack.
1: Yeah. And and Bill played the uh the the song um for for me before the episode started. It is eerily similar to no. semi-charm like no, yeah, no. there are huge no. there are massive similarities between the two. It is a frat boy song. That that's the thing. But there are massive... Sim- musically, there are massive similarities
2: between the two. Do you guys listen to the whole thing? Yeah.
0: No, because I said I can't oh, do okay. this. <laughs> <laughs> we can listen to... Do you want to listen oh, to some of this? Well, listen let's to it. Let's do it. All right, a- oh, yeah, let's okay. do
1: it. I just want to be a
2: friend. This heavy
3: situation That you bring in my direction It puts the damper on my affection I like the taste That's why
2: I gotta be honest, I did kind of enjoy that. <laughs> Can we just talk about, we? I, I think we're dodging the elephant in the room as we move forward here with regard to the song lyrics and then also what other people have said about Stephen Jenkins is that we're going to have to exercise a lot of tact. Um, our filters are on like full force here because yeah. of just... so. So where the bleeping, like where Bill has to bleep words, it's going to happen. But, I mean, I also just have to say that when you bleep a word, it makes it sound worse than it oh, is yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> like, so things always sound worse when you bleep it. Yeah. You see how bad that sounds?
0: That's awful. I yeah. can't believe <laughs> yeah. you said that. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> so we're going to try to use tact with reading these things instead of just it because it's going to sound really bad if we just bleep Everything, yeah. Because when you're talking about Stephen Jenkins being a difficult person, we've got quotes. Holy, oh my oh goodness! Is,
0: is this the elephant in the room we got to talk about as well? Like, just say, okay, listen, it's coming to the song, trying to be generous when Stephen Jenkins has a history of being difficult. Yeah, and so I'm no psychiatrist, but I have um, diagnosed him with narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> And I think it's it's on display. Your second year psych course is really starting to pay off. First year, oh. and, uh, you know, there was four multiple choice tests, which I ended up performing a 72% on. Oh, that's terrible. With,
2: with the bell curve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that good, eh?
2: Yeah. So the assembly of quotes put together by Rob Harvilla, who's a rock journalist, and he, he has a podcast. Um, get this. The pandemic started. He's a a middle-aged white guy. He's a guy born in the late 70s. When the pandemic hits, he says to himself, I'm going to start a podcast about... <laughs>
0: Frank, get the lawyers, right? <laughs> lawyer up, lawyer up.
1: It sounds eerily similar to our story. Except we came uh, up with it before
2: Before
0: it,
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
2: Anyway, his podcast is called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. And he goes into this song. And because he is a journalist, I think he he did a really good job at assembling all the quotes. Like, can I read one? Yeah, or yeah. two? Yeah, we well, are. Yeah. You know, the co-writer in a lot of the songs on that first third Eye Blind album was Kevin uh, Cadigan. He says Stephen Jenkins is a total megalomaniac freak. He's so narcissistic that he's not really capable of rational thought. <laughs> That's—I think he was being kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this
1: so is this my is his band mate, this his bandmate. This is
2: one of my favorite though because th- so this is from Steve Harwell, who's the Smash Mouth guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah this is good. So he says... I wouldn't go near Stephen Jenkins in that band. That guy's a d bag. I'm being, I'm using tact here. That guy's a d bag. You know, you can put that on camera because I don't really care. But he is. He's not a good person. That's all I'll say about that.
0: John Vanderslice, who they also quoted, had this to say, which is probably the worst thing I've ever heard said about a human being. It was Stephen Jenkins has caused a lot of misery in his lifetime. He's a net negative as a person. <laughs> that might be the like the most vicious thing. If I heard that said about me, I'd have to do some serious soul searching. Oh my! He said a whole lot more though, which will come up later. I don't. I yeah. But yeah. he well, compared crystal meth to Stephen Jenkins, and that yeah. it was such a rotten drug that fit Stephen Jenkins perfectly and Stephen Jenkins' love life. It was vicious.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want this to be like a, a Stephen Jenkins hate fest here necessarily. Like, yeah, he's not a necessarily a good guy, and I, and I really hate to say this but can we get back to how terrible this song is got it (laughs) okay
2: but i just before we move on i do want to say that you can get all these quotes from people hating on steven jenkins it did occur to me um you know let's just assume that the writer of this song is a narcissistic um ego freak okay so he's an egotistical narcissist Mm -hmm. you know You know what kind of people can't—and he's he's an egotistical, narcissistic rock star. You know what people can't stand, narcissistic, (laughs) egotistical rock stars? narcissistic egotistical rock star. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so of course you can find this like chorus point. of egotistical narcissistic rock stars saying i hate that guy yeah he thinks he's the center of the universe
1: when everyone when- <laughs> knows it's me it's <laughs> smash mouth <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly
2: uh,
0: fair point so and stephen jenkins has been kind enough when he's cajoled into Discussing what this song is about. Yeah. And so I do have some things before we hit into the. Well, we never really did talk a lot about Third Eye Blind, but I mean, it's his band and it's yeah, this it's song, his band, right? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: He said, like the drug, because crystal meth comes up in here. He also refers to speed. Can I? I don't know. I don't think either of us will know this, but is speed like crystal meth? They're both amphetamines. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They're both amphetamines. When you say that, I just think that means something that can both walk on land and swim in water. <laughs> is that? Is the They're drugs both like frogs?
1: That? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, it, it's like cocaine. It's 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 a yeah an it's upper. A, it's an upper. Okay. All right. So he wrote. The like the
0: drug, the song is bright and shiny on the surface, and then it just pulls you down in this lockjawed mess. The music that I wrote for it is not intended to be bright and shiny for bright and shiny's sake. It is intended to be what the seductiveness of speed is like, represented in music.
2: So, have you guys hung out with addicts? Like, they, and when I say addicts, I mean people who have gone to treatment. Like, oh, i thought
1: he meant like going up into someone's attic out yeah. there in their house there, okay
2: so for the record there was somebody hanging out uh, in your w- attic no in your attic I hear at the winchester
1: oh yeah well i had <laughs> raccoons here we referenced that in the early episodes when <laughs> so, they were still here
2: so that's a sideline uh story but anyway the thing about addicts and the, the reason why this song really is good on the level he's talking about it is like and when i say addicts i don't mean to be glib like these are people who have gone to treatment. They are aware that they have an addictive personality. And when I talk about addicts, I'm talking about people who actually have had substance abuse and have gone to treatment. They're like a lot of fun to be around when they're having a good time. Uh, so the whole like do-do-do thing and they like moving from one good time to another and and being completely out of control that's the life of an addict. And the thing is, it's like a totally destructive lifestyle.
0: This makes me remember <laughs> train spotting. And I'd be like, well, the first half is really good. Then it became a real downer. <laughs> so, <laughs> that must be it.
2: Anyway, I hope that wasn't a downer on this conversation. But the way Stephen Jenkins explained this song to my friend uh, in college, I had a friend, Joel. Uh, he used a microphone and there was like tens of thousands of people. It was Skydome.
0: Okay, yeah, so not... To your friend. He was, like, to my friend. He's one of the 10,000 people. It wasn't like he was sitting one-on-one with him.
2: But he was facing him, and he was speaking to him. <laughs> I'm so, sorry,
0: was he not speaking to him? Let's, I, I love when people ask me questions in the negative tense, too, by the way. Was it, was it not? Well, how was could it? I not say yes? So anyway,
2: so Stephen Jenkins says to my friend Joel, and tens of thousands of other people in Skydome. Jeez. So... He says to Joel right before singing the song, he goes, this is a song about how effed up everybody is. And he didn't use, he didn't say that, but he said the other word. And, and then, uh, he said, you know, this is a song about how effed up everyone is, you know? So I think he kind of relished in that. Let's just say the conflicted feelings and maybe the contrast that like addicts have that like, I really like getting high. It's a blast. Yeah. Yet, it's destroyed my life. Hey, I think I just said that in a way I was trying to say earlier, that it, when I... And it
1: only took you 15 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Welcome to a Sunday morning sermon at Grant The Mennonite Brethren Church. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, um, bombshell time. Oh. Yeah. He also said that to me because I saw them live when they opened for you two. You saw I Third Eye saw Third Eye Blind live. Um, Wait, you, so waited? you were there beside would, Joel. I, yes, I must have been right beside Joel. Oh, my goodness.
0: So Stephen Jenkins talked to you, too. He talked
1: directly to me, like oh. he talked directly to your friend, Joel. Yeah, he
2: was facing you, and he looked at you, and he had a microphone in his hand, just so just that you would hear.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I. so I I have seen Third Eye Blind live. You waited until this moment. <laughs> We've been friends for 30 years.
0: Yeah, and this is when you decide to tell me. Are we fr- still friends? No, no, this is the perfect time
1: to tell me. <laughs> that's why you're my friend. Okay. I, I will say that the only reason I saw Third Eye Blind is because they were opening for you, too.
2: Can I transition a second? Yeah. Okay, okay, so one thing we haven't talked about yet is that this song came on an album, their self titled debut that produced radio single charting radio singles for for years
0: five singles
2: yeah At and least the thing is and i the, i didn't read about this i actually just played the album i thought oh i want to hear this thing in context i couldn't believe it i was five or six tracks in and i'm still hitting hits that are good songs the right first six songs you
0: have five outside of yeah. narcolepsy yeah. i listened to it on the way over here Outside of narcolepsy, those first f- yeah the the, the all those songs were on the radio and they all did well and so you couldn't escape them, but like we gotta be honest about the rest of third eye blind stuff. Jumper is a good song. I like Jumper yeah. and I love what Jim Carrey did with it in Yes Man.
2: Yeah, Jumper has that breakdown. Actually it breaks down twice, but like the one it just it has a great breakdown. And then graduate. I, when I when that one came out, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a great song too actually that song was like my theme song when i was trying to finish my master's thesis and just didn't think i would ever do it you know and then uh and then of course how's it gonna be which is like that's that's an out of the box radio hit right like the the melody of it the the words i mean it's cheesy as all get out but it's i like how's it gonna be could have been a hit for them aside from semi-charm life he's so
0: earnest in those songs. But this one feels a bit Wait, more... I thought that was Jim
2: Varney.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what a...
2: so Frank it... waits till now. Na- wow. Yeah, so Frank is trying to put Bill into a purgatory of editing uh, where he's never going to be able to finish this episode yeah. because yeah. of all the interjections. Yeah, this
0: is it. And you know what? <laughs> but we're the reason why we're friends is because you mentioned Jim Varney. That's, that is, it is, is it Jim Varnes?
2: Yeah, I, no, it's Varney and I don't know what wow. you mean. All right. He went to camp. That was
0: tough. Ernest Goes to Camp it was like tough to watch. Yeah. Like it was a beat up scene that was like a beat up scene in one of those late 70s movies. It wasn't funny. No. And then all the kids
2: turned their back on him. And then he got revenge later on. Yeah, but Scorsese was out. So when Scorsese,
1: Wait, Scorsese, when, when Scorsese when he is directed, out. <laughs> Ernest goes to camp. No, it's just
2: when Scorsese is out there in the mix, everything else seems tame. <laughs> you could watch Ernest goes to camp and then walk into Goodfellas exactly. next door. So <laughs> there's a, gonna... yeah, there's a curb stop scene in Ernest goes to camp, <laughs> but it's okay because Scorsese is out there.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Should we talk about who's in Third Eye Blind? Just to be fair, you have... Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about, just briefly, because it matters, you have Stephen Jenkins, lead singer and songwriter, Yeah. who would play this song with Linda Perry, Mm -hmm. is that right? Who is the lead singer for Non Blonde. So he would play Semi-Charmed Life, and she would respond by playing
2: What's Going On. Yeah, but now here's the thing about what's going on in Semi-Charmed Life, is that as opposed to uh the other puck and natty song like with uh what's going on in semi-charmed life you could actually just overlap those right so so and i i envision uh you know one person on one couch and another person on another couch and the one is doing you know and the other guy's going do 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 do, 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 do. And they actually like perfectly overlap. They really do. I was gonna do a mashup for this episode, but I ran out of time.
0: How do you think the neighbors above or below are feeling? Oh are they angry? Goodness. Is for non Blondes... like is that a is that a song that's hated? What's hate going on? Okay, I, yeah, I, I totally. Hate that song? Hate that song? <laughs> I,
1: I have a story. I have a stories about that song that go back to university as well. Okay, but we have all the time in the oh, world okay. here. <laughs> so when I was in university, I remember early on my first year uh, living in residence and someone pulled the fire fire alarm and so everyone's outside it's the middle of the night and there's this one dude with his acoustic guitar and he's playing what's going on sorry not what sorry um yeah what's going on and you know there's this huge group of people around him and they're what's going on and I say hey and just singing like belting it out right and the guy always seemed like just like I'm a little suspect of him cuz he's popular and I'm not. But, but he he crested in that moment. Oh yeah. But every single fire drill after that he'd always be out there with his acoustic guitar and over the course of the year the group got smaller and smaller until it was just him singing oh. what's going on and just like and in that moment I won the petty war because I was always alone. And he just he he dropped down to my level. I mean, he had a guitar, so I guess he's a little bit better than me. But
2: I see, the, I see the real tragedy in that.
1: I was always alone?
2: No, he had his, he crested and he didn't know it. Yeah. And he was, you know, that's always the worst. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. When you don't know that, you don't, that yes. user peak. Like yeah. that time I scored four three-pointers in a grade nine yep. basketball game. I've heard four for four shooting.
2: I've heard this story yeah. many times. Didn't miss
1: a shot the entire game. <laughs> it was on fire. Yeah. <laughs>
2: all right so back to the song
0: okay i,
1: I want to talk more about my great yeah, that's basketball is, that's career
0: great. um well third eye blind also didn't know they peaked i suppose right but this album is a peak
2: the, yeah it doesn't get any better no, than this album and especially when you go through those first the first half of the self-titled album is just hit after yeah, hit this is a side a good, thing yeah exactly
0: so kevin cadogan yeah, yeah I'm sure yep. yeah yeah he lead guitar and auto harp with some well, backing Well, that's of just auto.
2: that's the beginning of how's it gonna be. If right. anybody cares about Track what they're six. hearing, yeah, that, how's it gonna be? And the thing that no one
1: cares because no one listens to the CD.
2: <laughs> so no, everybody everybody knows that song. Uh, how's it gonna be? It's been a slow dance song at many a dances and everything else. But that song starts with the auto harp, but it breaks my heart because I envision Kevin Cadogan imagining he's gonna strum out like eight bars of it, and the producers just like cut it after like two bars like okay the band's coming in now
0: okay producer eric valentine who's as much part of the band i would think for this album and he's he's done a lot of work before too Mm -hmm. brad hargreaves on drums he's still in the band or at least back in the band currently stephen jenkins we talked about arian salazar on bass and now Mm -hmm. arian salazar and kevin cadogan and Another guy who was in Third Eye Blind in the two thousands have all started their own band called XEB as an X Eye Blind, and they they've been touring. Oh, really? Just to put that out there because and yeah, they like have lots of great things to say about Stephen Jenkins. Sold out pubs mostly. Yeah, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> Winchester is open. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they don't play semi-char in life, I'm fine.
0: So there is an argument for Kevin Cadigan. Making a lot of contributions to this song in terms of his shoegaze style of guitar.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That first lineup, though, of Cat again with the bassist and drummer, because that rhythm section is strong. You can't deny the bassist and drummer make Semi Charm Life. Like without them, it the, just wouldn't have the bounce and the bass just grinds is so loud. It's so good.
1: Yeah. Without them, it'd be even a worse song. <laughs> Frank so didn't listen to a word you just <laughs> said. No, not at all. You
2: okay? Know, the, 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 the The thing is, when you listen to the album, you've got Semi Charmed Life comes in, and then right after that is Jumper, and you realize that they wrote a bunch of good songs. When Jumper comes in off of Semi Charmed Life, because Semi Charmed Life, once that song wraps up, you're like, okay, this is the end of the album. It's not. Jumper is maybe even a better song than Semi Charmed Life.
0: It was an open question whether they would release this, and it was the record company who wanted this song out, even though Kevin Codigan was like, I don't think the lyrics are appropriate enough, we won't get radio play, and Stephen Jenkins wasn't sure either,
2: but there was a record company that pushed for this song. <laughs> I imagine they like read some of the lyrics to the record company execs, and they're like, well, we don't know what any of that stuff means, so <laughs> you know what? It's fine with the kids.
0: I gotta be honest, I didn't really even know... About some of these lyrics until recently.
1: Yeah. Well, and like we always kind of knew it was not a positive song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then
1: uh, you had Ashley read the lyrics, right? I did. So, so this, there's a story there, right? Yeah.
0: So as we're heading into lyrics, just to, to sort of frame this, Ashley, my spouse, your first wife. My first wife. <laughs> <laughs> This is what she said to me. She said, you know what? December, I'm no longer in school for a few weeks. I'm going to listen to your podcast. Calm down. Uh-huh. I said, that's nice. Maybe that's nice that you're thinking you might listen to it. I said to her, I said, have you listened to semi Charm Life? That's what we're doing tonight with Pastor Mike. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember That's so from my youth. I'm like, oh, yeah, you like it? Yeah. I said, Do you read the lyrics? No. So I pass the lyric sheet over. And she's looking at the do do doos. And then she starts reading the rest of the lyrics, and her face changes. And she's like, "Oh, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh!" He's and she, then she said, astutely, "I think he has a god complex." <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh." Oh, the dr- Oh, he's, there's drugs in here. And then she started getting emotional. It's like, oh, I feel for him. Oh, this is a good. S-. And she's reading things. Oh, no, no, that's a good. That's good lyrics. Oh, no, not that part. She goes, oh, I know. And then she's teared up talking about the struggles of drug addiction. Oh, yeah. and and I said, well, it's not him. He might be, you know taking the narrative of somebody else, she goes, but that person. And so she took it to this level where I'm like, oh man, maybe this song is good. And I, because I was getting angry at it. I listened to it too many times this week. And so her response went back and forth between being annoyed with the guy who's writing it and speaking, but then also feeling all the feels.
2: I think this song creates more pathos to the attentive person than I think Neil Young's Needle and the damage done is like shooting fish in a barrel when it comes to addictions. I think this song hits up the complicated nature of addictions, the nuance, the pain. Like I mean, he partway through the song he starts to get clean again at the bridge. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. Have yeah. we established and, what a bridge is in this podcast? Ma-
1: oh, anyway. No, many, so. times, many, <laughs> many times. It's still under construction. Uh, so,
2: anyway, at the bridge. He starts to get clean again, right? He's like, I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives me a feeling, earthy feeling, the faith that grows. And then, you know what I love though? So there's a sort of melodic breakdown and it's that whole like getting clean feeling. And then the beat kicks in again, the drums and bass come in and it's like, wait a second. Actually, no, you know what? We're about partying. I feel that's what Jenkins was after there.
3: When I'm with you I feel like I die and that would be alright.
0: So both you and Ashley threw down readings of it where I'm like, oh no, I gotta now look at this differently. I gotta come back to this. And so that opening section I mean, I like, it's tough, because usually we just work through all the lyrics, but I feel we don't need to work through all the lyrics. Yeah. Because we can talk about the opening he's doing. Like, there's this hip-hop thing he's doing, I feel, in the beginning, where there's this sort of, to quote a president, there's a braggadociousness to the opening part, I feel, with how he talks about his relationship
2: with his possible girlfriend or just somebody kind who of comes around someone who comes around somebody who comes around and then stuff happens yeah i'm
3: packed and i'm holding i'm smiling lives, she, she goes and she lives for me Says she lives for me won't motivate motivation she comes round and she goes down to me and i'll make it smile like a drug for you do whatever what you want to do coming over you keep on smiling what we go through one stop to the rhythm that divides you
0: Well, this makes sense with addiction, where in spite of all of it, I want something else to get me through this. Yeah. And then, we haven't talked about this semi-charmed kind of life. What do we mean by semi-charmed? Not a charm life, but semi-charmed.
1: Yeah. It's self-explanatory. It's just semi-charmed? Yeah. It's not charmed. It's semi-charmed. Just partly charmed? Partly charmed. Like, max 70%. (laughs) But 70% charmed kind of life just didn't pop.
2: No, like, and this is, again, what I was saying. The semi-charmed theme in the chorus and the title has to do with that complicated nature of addiction of somebody who's an addict, who regrets being an addict, regrets using, yet at the same time has a memory of how flip and fun it was in the moment when they were doing whatever it was they were doing. That's... That's addiction.
3: I want something else to get me through this. Send me some kind of light. baby, oh baby. I want something else. I'm not listening when you say
1: goodbye. I want to bring up that whole the the, do, 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 the, the beginning. This is this is another huge issue I have with this song. Is they were claiming that the the doot 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 was an homage to Lou Reed's "Walk on the Wild Side"?
0: Not yeah, oh for sure. He said that Lou Reed didn't understand life on the West Coast, so he would give his version. Yeah, in in later interviews where it's
1: I'm like, sorry, this is Lou Reed. Yeah, like come on, and this is "Walk on the Wild Side," which
3: is a classic tune. Take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls go doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo,
2: doo-doo, 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 doo-doo-doo. Something else I can say about these lyrics. Yeah. And again, it's on the theme of addictions. But this guy is in an addictive pattern spiral with somebody else. And that's, and the, the, sorry, these lines, and I speak to you like the chorus to the verse, chop another line like a coda with a curse. Like, honestly, that it's it's poetic, but it like, it speaks to that whole, um, that spiral and addict can go into when they have somebody else who's parting with them and is, you know, basically affirming how awesome this feels. This is great. Even though they're, they're spiraling toward, you know, uh, the Abyss.
3: The sky was gold, it was close. I was taking tips, driven to my nose, and no wish could get back there. Some place back there, smiling in the pictures you would take. To a crystal mental lift you up until you break it won't stop. I won't come down and keep stopped with the TikTok rhythm. I bummed for the top and then I bumped up. I took the hit that I was given, then I bumped again, then I bumped
0: again. I said- Radio edit versus album edit. What's cut out of the radio edit is that part where he talks about when the plane came in, she said she was crashing. The velvet it rips in the city. We tripped on the urge to feel alive. Now I'm struggling to survive. Those days you were wearing that velvet dress. You're the priestess, I must confess. And then he goes on from there.
2: <laughs> well, it, he's just talking about the clothing, right? That the the, yeah. uh, the red panties pass the tests, which is like one of the worst lines. Oh, the my, whole song that yeah. was eye rolling.
3: The belly face down
2: on the mat- Those lines should have been cut on the producer room's floor, not in the radio edit. They were just bad. It was bad it was poetry.
0: Bad. It's, it's it's as a literature major, he should be ashamed. Exactly. Yeah. Velvet and comes it, up twice.
2: It, yeah. yeah, Velvet comes up twice. And then I'm sorry, past the test, it's like oh, uh, what is this? Like gross. 1982 it's, rap? <laughs>
0: And the priestess, I must confess, actually called out saying, No, 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 this is the God thing. She's the priestess, but he's the God. And like, ooh, yeah. but if you go back to those earlier lyrics where I make you smile like a drug for you, as can be kind of kind of hit at religion as well. And so
1: it was a good reading. But it makes sense that um in the album version they they kept that verse in there, like and it's not a good verse because it's not a good song (laughs) i was waiting for that again
2: the the uh musically the way the music sort of does those breakdowns where the where the beat sort of drops out a little bit like you know it, it gets again more melodic more thoughtful and then the beat kicks back in and it's i really do think he's he's touching on that whole thing where you know the addict feels like they're they need to get out of this addiction, and they they feel, you know, they feel the uh, the downward spiral. But then all of a sudden, the party element sort of kicks back in again, and now next thing you know, they're back in it again. That's where it says, "And you hold me down." And, and you, you hold, hold me, me yeah. and we're broken. Yeah, that's where the beat's about to come back in, right? And you hold me, and and we are broken. So there's a, still yeah. that melodic sadness, and then and still that's all I want to do, just a little now. Feel myself heading off the ground. So he's back. He's getting high again. Yeah. Right. So yeah. he sort of has that pause moment, and then he's getting high again. Um, and then it's I mean the doo doo doos though are like, it's infectious, but infectious. Yeah. Here we go. I have this written
1: down. Do you know what else is infectious? Staph infections, Uh, Ebola, Um, any sort of virus. Those are infectious.
0: What if this song, okay, ready? Are you ready for this? No. What if this song is like crystal meth? That it's infectious in its own way, that you want to enjoy. You hate yourself for liking this, maybe in your heart of hearts, but it's like a drug and you need to
2: keep coming back to it. Maybe Stephen Jenkins knew this song was terrible and infectious, right? Like, is he maybe that genius where he wrote a song he knew with people have you read hate... the stories about him. He's not a genius. Now listen. What if he? No, no. The other thing too is—is is this that guy, the uh, the heart in a blender guy from E6? Yeah. He actually wondered if Steven Jenkins was doing a lifetime
1: shtick. In the style, just a giant swerve. (laughs) No, no, a a giant. uh, uh, Oh, what's his name? Performance. He's like Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman
0: never gets off that bus.
2: He actually wondered if he's doing a lifetime Andy Kaufman shtick. Anyway, to write a song that people would be that would people would feel ashamed to enjoy about Crystal. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's meta. That's like.
2: You know what, though? He was valedictorian of his class out of uh, Berkeley, uh, English, like, so who knows? I'm just saying, maybe this is all, uh, maybe he's been riding out that whole shtick his entire lifetime just to see it through to the end. And then finally at the end, on his deathbed, he'll say, it was all an act.
1: I'd also like to point out that Stephen Jenkins is the same guy that would show up to your party, throw himself into a window and say, bro, your window's broken, and walk out. (sighs) Touche That's very good I think Frank
2: just earned his uh, His bona fides
0: There's a story in there That I would love to know someday There's no way you can just create that story No I just did <laughs> It's happened somewhere That's real <laughs> To get me through
3: this Life Baby I want something else Not listening when you say
0: the only thing I want to say about the lyrics outside of do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do is that line that keeps coming back. I wish I could get back there someplace back there in the place where we used to start. So overall, yeah. it's regret. But people listening to this, they're not listening to the lyrics because they're speaking so fast. But exactly. they're thinking about their life and how there should be more.
2: Yeah. Now I've heard that mentioned that, uh, and it could have been Stephen Jenkins that mentioned, he felt that the song resonated with people because human beings desire, like it's just, it's in our nature to desire. And that whole, that, that chorus, right. I want something else to get me through this life. It was like, everybody can relate to that because no matter where you are, or what you have as a human being, you're always desiring. It's just you can't shut that switch off. Um, and and the problem with addiction is you, like, jump into the whirlpool of, like, trying to satisfy your desire.
0: Well, I think we totally nailed those lyrics. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: All so right. So what do the lyrics mean to you as a listener? <laughs> yeah. Listen to them in your heart and don't do drugs. Okay. <laughs>
2: so here's the thing. this This is why I look down on this song as a snob. In college, because like I was listening to Pavement. The lyrics from Steve Malcomous are impenetrable. <laughs>
1: it's like, like Pavement.
2: What on earth is he talking about? You don't know. In this song, you know exactly what he's talking about. And that's why I was above it. But now that we're di- diving into the lyrics, it's like, oh, actually, these aren't bad.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm coming to even just in the moment here, because I was I have written down on my phone here, wherever I put it. It says, I hate this song. I wrote this yesterday. I think I hate this song. I just couldn't do it anymore. But I listened to it a couple more times. Like, ah, okay. But I'm I'm at a point where I'm begrudgingly giving it its due. But I'm going to hit skip most likely on a mixtape usually. But every once in a while, I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. But in the same way. With drug addicts, right? I liked the song initially, but I, I just... It's you hate just, yourself as you keep listening I, yeah, to it. <laughs> yeah, it's just not there.
1: I listened to this song, so in preparation for this episode, I was able to tolerate it twice. That's it. After this conversation, where are you at right now? I never want
0: to hear this song again. All right, should we go to some categories? Let's hit some categories. All right. Uh, Mixtape...
2: I got one. Okay, I have two. Great. Well, actually, I have two as well. Okay, I see your two, and I'll call.
1: I have a third mixtape.
2: Oh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. All right, let's go. We're starting with Mike. Mike, you get to go. First. Do you want the mixtape I didn't finish, or the mixtape that I've f- totally finished?
1: Let's go with the the first mixtape, the, the unfinished the one? one, the the one you have finished,
2: the one that's completely done and finished. Yeah. All right, I got a mixtape big jams of the 90s and i'm talking late 90s big jams so this mixtape's gonna include uh it's gonna include semi-charm life but not right away it's gonna have songs on it like drinking in la by brand van 2000 okay love that song it's gonna have uh let's see it's gonna have have d-
1: you even finished this tape i have
2: well, it- read them out all right the Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. swallowed no, no. by Bush. Oh, no. Oh, hold on. So wait. terrible. About
2: halfway through that mix, I'm going to put in Push by Matchbox 20.
1: This oh. is worse than my bad mixtape. No,
2: listen. You got Song 2 by Blur, right? Song 2. What about... Uh, Walking on the Sun by Smash Mouth. Oh, you're doing a lot of
0: tangential things with people who also hate and are connected. No way, man. This is this hurting. This is Big
1: Jams of the 90s. <laughs> I would call
2: these big tunes. I would call it a big tunes mix.
1: It's big shiny tunes? That's, this, that's the this perfect- This is a big shiny tunes mix, isn't <laughs> that's it? The,
2: that's the perfect title for this mix. Oh, wow. Why didn't I think of that?
1: Is it actually a big shiny? Tunes
0: no, no, it's not. Absolutely,
2: this is absolutely big shiny tunes. Oh, that <laughs> is.
0: Oh, that's awful. And that's that sold. That went diamond in Canada. The one with semi-charm life on yeah. it, diamond.
2: Yeah. Okay, wait. Lady picture show by Stone Temple Pilots.
0: <laughs> I like that song. Yeah. I like yeah. La- I like Stone yeah. Temple Pilots. That's Great a... greatest hits collection.
2: This is a mixtape of big tunes of the '90s that I already have on a CD entitled "Big Shiny Tunes" 2. All right, that's my mixtape. That's right. complete. Which I, I kind of lifted that one. I don't know if you, you guys figured that one out.
0: Bill, your mixtape. Oh, it's totally incomplete. I got. Okay. I, I couldn't decide on directions. So f- one direction.
1: <laughs> the song. The <laughs> no, band?
0: I, I just wanted to hold it there. Was to go with, sort of like frat rap, songs. Oh, okay. And so we'd have semi charm life. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, why do you like this song so much? I hate this song
3: so much. All right, my lady, full disclosure. Come, come, lady, sugar,
0: full disclosure, I've played this song several times while we we're recording. <laughs> I knew that it would cause me trouble with editing. But this song, for me, is like an ultimate white rap song. And I don't like using the term white rap because I know there's. Yeah. it's not fair maybe to them but then watching the video maybe it is fair to <laughs> but that would be like kind of hip rap pop rock song yeah that's one and then another rock rap song would be one of my most hated songs by the red hot chili peppers but i have to be true to this episode yeah aeroplane
1: oh,
0: oh that's so bad
2: I want to do Scar Tissue because I like that, but Aeroplane's more fitting. You know what's funny is Alexa won't even play that song in a Red Hot Chili Peppers mix. So I ask Alexa to throw some Red Hot Chili Peppers tunes at me, and it spares me Aeroplane because I think of just the humanity. Even a robot has more humanity (laughs) than the producer of that record. Oh,
0: it's awful. And then the last one. Just as an antidote, is you get what you give by the New Radicals oh, because okay. they call out all the baloney, yeah, yeah, all yeah. The, malarkey the malarkey coming from yes. these people. Especially, I know New Radicals would have nothing to do with Third Eye Blind and yeah. and Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I feel like there's a bit of a rappy thing going on there yeah. and a bit of a sorbet to lead to your...
1: All right, so my first mixtape is mid-'90s, alt rock uh, you can't see my air quotes earworm songs around by blues traveler santa monica by everclear laid james how bizarre omc and we finish it with what i got by Sublime. Oh yeah. I okay. will say that I really don't like any of these songs. I got
0: it. And you know that that's good. Those are good choices. Did you choose those yourselves, or did yes. you let Spotify give those? To no, you? no. I, I chose those. Myself. Oh man. Because in front of me, Spotify is telling me on my mixtape what to put on. Yeah. Two Princes. Spotify. Come on. That's different. Closing no. Time by Semisonic. Oh,
1: I should have put that on.
0: One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. She's So High by Tal Bachman.
1: Oh, Tal Bachman. <laughs>
2: Fly by Sugar Ray.
1: Oh. So your your second mix.
2: The unfinished mixtape yeah. had to do with catchy tunes of the era that just used no words. And I would lead off with Bop." Oh, okay. I'd go Bop," And then to not scandalize the Hansen Brothers, I would bury this one. I'd bury the Third Eye Blind one we're talking about tonight. The title of which
1: I can't seem to remember. Semi-charm oh, life. "semi-charmed
2: life." That's it. Anyway, <laughs> I barely. That's how
1: memorable this great <laughs> song is to you.
2: You know what's funny with "semi-charmed life" is? Sorry, this is a tangent, but I started listening to we the album done tangents. Yet we've done a few. Uh, I started listening to the album and. The other songs started getting stuck in my head way more than Semi-Charmed Life. Um, Jumper. Why don't you finish your mixtape first and then we can cut this out. And- <laughs> How's it gonna be? Anyway, um, yeah, no, that was it. That was my idea for the mixtape. Mix I said mixtape with an N. That's my thing. Anyway, I uh, yeah, that was my idea for the mixtape, which I actually didn't follow through on doing the work of finding songs. But I did start with Bop" by the Hanson oh, okay. Brothers. So you
1: have, you have a, a, a two-song mixtape.
2: No, I've got a, a, an idea. See, I'm an ideas man, and I have other people do the work for me.
1: My, my second mixtape is um, it's not so much a, a mixtape of music. It's more a mixtape of annoyance. So we will have semi-charm kind of life. Then we have four minutes of two cats fighting each other followed by three and a half minutes of someone open-mouthed chewing. And then five and a half minutes of someone grinding a fork on a
2: plate. So here's the thing. If that mixtape's on repeat, when it circles back around a semi-charm life, all those people who are just about to leave for all those annoying things are not <laughs> staying to dance. Okay. This song defies our usual
0: list of categories because I say Hallmark movie and I have just NO written on my page with a big slash on it. So yeah, the
1: Hallmark g- movie is no. train spotting.
0: Yeah, we're not doing train spotting as a Hallmark movie. Would Michael Bolton sing this? No, because no. he wants his career. Yeah. But Frank, could you tell us about someone else who?
1: Inadvertently saying this? Oh my goodness. And this is this is so terrible for me. So there in 2012 there's a mashup of semi-charm life and Carly Ray Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. And I I love anything Carly Ray Jepsen does, but like I can't like it it's it's
2: terrible for me to listen to so we're in a conflict here because she would have given permission for that but she not in fact she's probably a fan of this song
1: no it was just like a youtube match oh it was it's a YouTube just mashup. yeah it's, it wasn't it wasn't anything the cease
2: was, and desist
1: hasn't like reached the yeah, producer carly, of that carly Ray is bigger than that she doesn't care about someone trying to do something like that
2: So I have got zero affection for Avril Lavigne, but Avril Lavigne puts this album in her top five influential albums of her career. The well, third that, album.
1: That's all I need to hear right now. Seals seals my my judgment on this song.
0: I want to thank Mike V for returning to the podcast.
1: And talking about a terrible song.
0: I got to say, we never got to this, though, did we? Whether this is a guilty pleasure. Bill's the swing vote. I'm the swing vote. You know, I don't feel like we got enough time to talk about Crazy Town. Butterfly's <laughs> Crazy Town. I am willing, Mike, I'm willing to give... Third Eye Blind a pass I'm willing to open the gates to let them in the city as long as you let Butterfly by Crazy Town in and I I really regret that we didn't get to talk about Crazy Town enough today Mike it's on you do you want Third Eye Blind in but Crazy Town has to come in too
2: you know the thing about the Crazy Town tune is it's it's going to it's going to be a guilt-free pleasure for somebody it's just I don't think enough people i don't know i i'm not a politician okay that crazy don't please don't play it again i can't i can't take it come, my lady, come, come, my
3: lady.
2: so here's the thing about the offer you're making me, I do not care about this song to get into the pleasure verse, but because here's why. So this is Mike, it's, Mike
1: Mike Mike V's indecent proposal because
2: it's going to get in anyway. You know why? Not just because some of your listeners have already asked for it to be covered on this podcast, but for, for this reason.
4: <laughs>
2: There's that reason, but then also on the subtler side. Because um, of the themes he gets into, and it is, it is it there's texture there that could be best described yeah, as... Yeah, but we're not
1: talking about the song. We're talking about <laughs> Crazy Town.
2: There's, there's
0: texture... We're talking that...
1: about Crazy Town. No, this we're crazy not. On, you don't on. get a vote.
0: I've already given my vote to Crazy Town. Mike just has to let it no, in the door. Yeah,
1: Mike has to let Crazy... But he's talking there's about TV no Charm Life again. <laughs> so,
0: whatever it takes.
2: I'm saying I don't need to let Crazy Town in the door for uh semi-charm life to get into the pleasure verse and here's why because i I can walk out with my vote i don't even have to cast a vote because there's enough gravitational weight out there around semi-charm life or on the people who feel it's a guilt-free pleasure because they're correct
1: so i'm gonna shock everyone here and say like i do have a favorite part of this song okay and it's uh it's it's in the um is in the chorus? Yeah, it's in the chorus, I think, right? Just like, I'm not listening when you say, goodbye, because his falsetto is so weak. He's trying to hit it, but he cannot, and it's just, it's satisfying.
0: To the degree of that falsetto, you might try to end this episode by saying goodbye, but I'm not listening.
1: When I say goodbye? Goodbye. This has been a terrible episode of Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Thank you so much for listening.